So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money episode 1379, Fran Hauser, author of Embrace the Work, Love Your Career. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. I do feel that very often we're so focused on what's not working for us in our current role. And one of the things that I really encourage is um, taking a look, like one of the exercises is taking a look at your calendar for the last couple of months and finding the meetings or experiences that put a smile on your face. And then really like digging in and understanding like, what was it about that experience that was so fulfilling? Was it the type of problem that I was solving? Was it the people I was working with? Was it the skills that I was using? Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. I have my friend Fran Hauser back on the show. She's going to help us fall back in love with our careers. If you are in a rut, it may not mean you're in the wrong job. It may mean you just have to look at it through a different lens, which could save you a lot of time and money. Let me tell you, if you remember Fran, she was originally on the show talking about her very first book, The Myth of the Nice Girl which Forbes says turns the nice girl notion on its head. That book has been translated into many different languages. It is a best-selling book. Now she's out with Embrace Your Work, Love Your Career, which is actually a workbook. She makes it very easy for us with strategies, advice, prompts, simple exercises, guiding us to build a career that we love. And right now that couldn't be more important than ever. The unemployment market is... Mm, question mark, right? We don't know where it's headed. Some employers are laying people off. Others are hiring at record pace. Depending on your industry and depending on where you want to go with your career, this may be an opportune moment to reflect and re-strategize. A little bit more about Fran. She is a startup investor and advisor, funding and advising consumer-focused companies from Hello Giggles to Mogul, The Wing, formerly president of Digital for Timings Style and Entertainment Group. Fran is also a philanthropist and advocate for women in business. Here's Fran Hauser. Fran Hauser, welcome back to So Money. It's been a pandemic. <laughs> Farnoosh, I am so happy to be here with you. Thank you for having me. If people only knew the, the great memories I have of Fran Hauser back in the day, I think you were still at Time Inc. running the show there and we had a coffee and you've been just such a champion of my career, a mentor. And so it is just, it's it's really heartwarming to be able to sort of give back in a very small way, have you come on So Money and talk about all of your exciting projects. We're going to talk about your new and latest book called Embrace the Work, Love Your Career. People may remember our previous conversation when you came on last time talking about the myth of the nice girl, uh, which uh, you're a problem solver, Fran. I mean, that book was really born out of a recurring theme you were seeing amongst your women colleagues and the women you were mentoring where there was this struggle, uh, this, this, they were running up against this, this idea of like being too nice. Uh, but then what's the opposite of that? Right. So like, how do you define your, your personality in the workplace? Your new book solves a different problem. And you wrote this in the pandemic and it was sort of the pandemic that brought it about. So I'd love for you to share about 
the, the genesis of this book, Embrace the Work, Love Your Career. And it's not just a book, it's actually a workbook. It's so true what you say, though, about problem solving and pain points. And, you know, I feel like I do that through content, through writing books. And I also do that through my startup investing, right? I'm always looking for like, what's the pain point and what's the product that's that's going to address it? Um, this book, Embrace the Work, Love Your Career, it was, you know, squarely like in the middle of the pandemic. And I was reading all these articles about the millions of women leaving the workforce mm -hmm. and, you know, the millions more who are questioning their career, their purpose, their path. You know, we're all kind of going through this existential crisis where we're questioning the meaning of everything in our lives. And um, I really wanted to create something. Um, and I, d I decided to make it a workbook. I really wanted it to be interactive. I wanted it to be light and beautiful and joyful and fun because we're all carrying so much weight right now. Um, and I, I really just wanted to, to offer up a framework and some mm -hmm. questions and some exercises and writing prompts that can help women take a step back, reflect, and really be intentional about building a career that they love. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was really my my goal with this book. And I did write it in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, is, was it even a pandemic for authors if you didn't write a book? Exactly. The, the title though, Fran, it's a, it's a very intentional title in that you didn't you didn't flip it. You didn't say love your career, comma, embrace the work. You start with embrace the work and then comma, love your career. Are you suggesting that we shouldn't follow passions? We should really follow a different meaning as we pursue our careers? Well, you know, the, the title, there, I think there's a couple of interesting things about the title. So the first is that I do feel that very often we're so focused on what's not working for us in our current role. And one of the things that I really encourage is um, taking a look, like one of the exercises is taking a look at your calendar for the last couple of months and finding the meetings or experiences that put a smile on your face and then really like digging in and understanding like what was it about that experience that was so fulfilling? Was it the type of problem that I was solving? Was it the people I was working with? Was it the skills that I was using? And thinking about like, okay, is there a way that I could do more of that? You know, that I could be more intentional and bring more of that into my current job, into my, into my current role. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that is really about embracing the work, like trying to find the things in your current role that are working for you. I'll tell you when I was at Time Inc and I had been there eight years and I was getting that itch. I was like, this isn't working for me. The, the role felt very administrative. Um, and what I realized, I did this exercise and I realized that I actually loved meeting with startup founders. That was the one part of my job that I really enjoyed. And by realizing that I ended up pitching and building an innovation lab at the company that I ran, you know, and that kept me at the company for two more years because that was work that I really enjoyed. Eventually I ended up leaving to become a startup investor, but it all started with that realization of, wow, I really enjoy meeting with startup founders. How can I do more of that? The other thing I want to say about the title though, too, is that this is a workbook. So embrace the work really means like embrace this work, you know, mm -hmm. really lean into the exercises in the book and be, be reflective, be intentional. And by doing the work, you'll end up creating a career that you love. Mm -hmm. So there's really a double meaning to the title. It reminds me a little bit about the, uh, the book, uh, 
Unfollow Your Passion. Uh, my friend Terry Trespicio wrote a book that um, sort of dovetails this in, in this in the sense that she also encourages, you know, to embrace the work, pursue what fulfills you as opposed to what you think is just your passion. Because your passion could just be a hobby. Maybe it's not really something that merits an entire career. You know, when you wrote this book in the pandemic, a whole different time, and although we are not fully out of that devastation, we're entering also what may be a recession. And it's a precarious time. It's hard to get a read on the job market. On the one hand, I can see opportunities for people uh, as we had the great resignation last year and a lot of openings still. So in some ways, there may be a lot of opportunities for job seekers. But at the same time, we may see more layoffs. And so when you think about your book in the context of the current economy and where the jobs are headed, um, does it change a little bit of your strategy? Or is there an additional exercise you want people to do? You know, I, I really do believe that it is an employee's market right now. You know, there are 11 million jobs that are open. I'm seeing it with, with people in my network who um, aren't happy with what they're doing and they're starting to interview. I have this one friend who has like four offers that she's contemplating. That's a very different place to be than two years ago. Um, so I do think that it's a really good time to think about how can you make work work for you and to not be afraid to ask for more, to ask for whether it's more flexibility, whether it's more money, whether it's more whatever, you know, I think being really, um, intentional about like, what are the parts of your job that maybe you're not loving? You know, when you think about the, like on Sunday, when you're worried about what, what Monday is bringing, you know, being very thoughtful about that. Is there a way that you can change that? So I think it's a really good time to have these conversations with your manager, you know, and to be really open about how you're feeling. And, and is there a way that you can work together to make your work even more fulfilling? Mm-hmm. On this show, we talk about owning your value, money, and part of the fulfillment equation beyond just like feeling like you're making an impact and you love the work is that you feel like you're well compensated too. How do you go about figuring out if you're truly being valued properly? Mm -hmm. It's such a good question. And, you know, I always say it's hard to love your career if your work is not valued appropriately. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's, it's really important to have conversations with people that are in the know, like I love my executive recruiter friends. You know, I even remember when I was at Time Inc, I would have coffee with them and just ask them, like, what are they seeing in the market? Like for a job like mine, like what, what is the the compensation range? Um, I even, you know, became really good friends with peers at other companies. And we would have very open conversations about salary, about equity, about, you know, all the different parts of com- of compensation. So I think it's really important. Transparency is really important and not being afraid to talk about money um, with executive, executive recruiters, with your peers, because it gives you so much power. You know, knowledge is power, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have that information and when you know what the market rate is for, for your job, you can then have a really productive conversation with your manager that's based on data. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And although you transitioned out of corporate to running your own business, I like that your book doesn't exclusively talk about 
pursuing entrepreneurship. Uh, because while that is all a dream for many, and I think for women especially, we might be able to find more flexibility when all goes well in the world of entrepreneurship, jobs can be great. And I think to your point earlier that it is an employee's market, employers have to really step up right now to, to if they want to stay competitive, if they want to get the top talent to provide more opportunities, benefits, money, all of that. And, and so I just really I just want to point that out because I think that's a rarity sometimes in this world of personal finance and career advice that often it's like, well, just go make your own mark in the world. Yeah. And you know, it took me, I, I worked in corporate for 20 years before, you know, I went off on my own and I've been on my own for eight years now. And, you know, I love it. Um, but I know that I couldn't be doing what I'm doing now if it wasn't for all of that experience that I had, right? Like all of that made me a better entrepreneur, a better investor. I wouldn't have been able to write these books if it wasn't for the experience that I had. So, um, you know, I I just really want people to be thoughtful and not just to kind of jump on like whatever the new trend is, you know, or assume that, yes, they can go like, launch a business, raise $5 million, you know, like it, it, sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. Right. And, um, and so I think that's a big part of this book is being very mindful, being thoughtful, being intentional and giving yourself the time. Because I, I, I feel like so often we're in this like autopilot mode Mm -hmm. with our career where we're just like going through the day, we're checking things off of our to-do list. Um, and we're not taking the time to really step back and think about what's working for us, what isn't, what do we want for ourselves? You know, what are what are the expectations that we are going to create for ourselves? It doesn't really matter what other people expect of us mm-hmm. or what we believe other other people expect of us. Right. But you're not right, doing it wrong if you're not becoming a startup founder. Right. 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 And you know what? And and the other side of this I would say too is that, you know, I remember Patty Sellers, uh, who I'm sure you know, who ran Fortune's Most Powerful Women. She, um, I worked with her at Time Inc. And she wrote this article once about how a career is more like a jungle gym as opposed to a ladder. Mm -hmm. And I just think there's so much beauty in acknowledging that, that it's okay to make a lateral move. It's okay sometimes to take a step back. You know, sometimes you have to take a step back to then step forward. Um, And so careers can take lots of different shapes and sizes, you know, and also for some people, they might be perfectly happy being an individual contributor, you know, and not like being a leader is not something that they want for themselves. And that's Mm -hmm. great to have that self-awareness. Right. So it's like it's whatever works for you and and whatever fits in with the rest of your life. You can't look at it in a silo. Do you think the culture is catching up to this sentiment, though, Fran? I feel like um, the culture still at large uh, views careers as this sort of climb. You climb the ladder. There isn't a lot of grace for those who want to like take some time off. There is this glamorization of entrepreneurship or there's this like, why aren't there more women in the C-suite? You know, And of course, we want to see women rise and, and become more dominant players everywhere. But I wonder if books like yours and thought leadership like yours, the, the culture hasn't caught up to you yet. Mm. You know, it's it's interesting you say that because even with The Myth of the Nice Girl, I remember the night before that book published, 
I started just feeling really worried and scared because all of the books that were out were books like Girl Boss, mm-hmm. How to Be a Boss, B-A-W-S-E, you know, like how it was all like very much like taking on this like tougher persona and, you know, climbing that ladder, getting to the top. And the myth of the nice girl was very different, right? It was more about if you're kind and you're warm and empathetic and compassionate, bring all of that to work because it will serve you well. Um, and you don't have to choose between being kind and being strong. Um, and I think it, with Embrace the Work, Love Your Career, it's also similar. I, d- I do feel like I'm a little bit like ahead of the curve, right? Um, but the myth of the nice girl ended up doing so well. It's still selling four years later. You know, it was Audible's top business book of 2018, mm-hmm. translated into six languages. So it's like, it's it's amazing to see that. I think it's moving slowly, but I do feel just based on how much interest there is in companies having me come in to speak to their employees. Mm-hmm. I've done over 200 talks over the last four years. Wow. Think about that. I mean, that's- I believe like, it. I right? believe it. So I think it is catching up. It's just maybe taking a little bit longer than I would like. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned earlier that the pandemic was disproportionately more difficult for women, women of color. We saw outsized job loss, you know, among women and women of color in the pandemic. And some are still struggling to get back in the workforce for a variety of reasons. It may be that their their industry continues to have mm-hmm. uh, low levels of employment or they have dependents that they are still taking care of and it's just impossible to work and take and care give full time. And so what's your advice for those women um, and where should they begin when they embark on your book? Just go through it step by step or is there an added piece of advice for them? Yeah. I mean, look, I think going through it step by step is helpful, but the one, the one thing that I would add is just how important relationships are and thinking about like, who can you reach out to that is either in your world or was in your world, you know, years ago that you can reconnect with um, and let as many people know as possible that you are looking like, I feel like that is so much more important than your skills or, you know, it's, you know, it's like, it's just when women reach out to me and they tell me that they're about to make a, a transition, now they're in my head. And when I see job opportunities, I'm like, oh, you know, Jane would be amazing for that. So let as many people know as possible that that you're looking and get really creative about who you reach out to. You know, it might be somebody you haven't seen in seven years, but that's okay. You know, the number of times I, I can't even tell you, I mean, even our, my story meeting you, the importance of letting your goals be known. Uh, often we keep them close to the chest because for whatever reason, we feel, you know, we're embarrassed to share or we think who will care or we think uh, everyone's so busy. Why would anybody have time to help? And you're right. You don't, it's not like you're, you're not hiring people full time to be on the lookout for you. You're just sprinkling the little bit of, you know, hey, FYI, I'm looking for a job in this field. You know, they will keep that in mind. People want to help too. I think we forget that. People People want to be givers. want to help. Someone actually reached out to me who um, I hadn't talked to her in, in probably over 10 years and she was looking for a job and I actually needed some help with a project um, that, that I was working on. So I hired her as, you know, part-time for six months, but 
that wouldn't have happened if she hadn't reached out to me to say that she was looking for a job. So there might be, you know, projects too, like just by reaching out to these people, they might have work that they could use your help with. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I feel like that's my number one piece of advice is, you know, it's just get out there and let people know. Well, while we have you, Fran, I want to first uh, acknowledge the title of the book again. So if people are just catching up, uh, embrace the work, love your career. And then I would also encourage you, if you haven't yet, purchase The Myth of the Nice Girl, because that is definitely uh, a must read. I love, love, love that book. While we have you here, though, Fran, we have to pick your brain. You've invested in over, how many now? 30, 40 female female founded companies across all varieties of industries, it's 2022. I think entrepreneurship, certain categories in recessions do see disruption and innovation. What are you most excited about um, when it comes to innovation? And what are some examples maybe of female-led startups that you have invested in? And why do you choose to invest in these types of companies? I Right now, I'm really excited. You know, I've always been in the consumer space versus B2B, and I still am. Um, And I really just love to invest in products that I want to see out in the world. And, you know, many of them center around wellness, um, sustainability, just bringing people joy, products that will just bring people joy. Um, One of the, the companies that I've invested in recently that I'm really excited about is called Copper. And it's um, a platform that brings authors and readers together Um, so it's, it's an app. Um, but what I really love about it is that it's focused on making the author, the star, you know, just like Instagram, right. Started with amateur photographers and TikTok was, you know, dancers and Twitch gamers. There really hasn't been a platform, you know, in the creator, you know, community that's been focused on authors. So that's what this, this app copper is doing. Um, And it's really a way to bring readers, you know, authors closer to readers and also give authors direct access to their fans. Because, you know, when we, as you know, right, like we sell these books, we don't know who's buying them, right? They're buying them on Amazon. Amazon has that data. They're buying them in bookstores. So um, I love, I love what Ali Trowbridge is doing because I just think reading is so important for our society, for, you know, culture. Um, and you know, I feel like it's like social media for good. So I'm really copperbooks.com. I'm looking at it right now. As much as I don't think I need any other, any other social media apps, this one I can get behind. I love it. (laughs) It just launched in in beta. So they're, they're still launching new features. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's really exciting. You know, you also mentioned that only 2% of female founders receive startup capital of the startup capital pool. And then if you're like a woman of color, it is a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of that. Any advice to female founders who are specifically interested in fast growth? Not everybody needs startup capital, but if you do need it and you're getting a lot of closed doors, what's your advice? Yeah. You know, one of the biggest trends that I've seen during the pandemic, which has been really interesting is um, these, it's, it's called a special purpose vehicle, an SPV, where and I've co-led several of these now where basically I bring a group of investors together um, to invest in a, in a startup and the check size is smaller 
because mm-hmm. you're bringing a group. So it's like instead of a $25,000 check or a $50,000 check, the minimum check size could be as small as $2,500 or $5,000. Mm-hmm. So I've done like four of these now. You know, there was one where I think we brought like 30 female angel investors together and raised $250,000 um, for, for the startup. And that's meaningful. Like when you're just getting going to raise that kind of money. So it's a really interesting model to use. Um, you know, it's like somewhere in between like crowdfunding and just full on like going to venture capital funds or high net worth individuals. Um, so that's a model that's really interesting. If you have an advisor or if you have a current investor, just somebody in your life, um, who you could get excited about running one of these SPVs, um, there's AngelList and Assure are the platforms that you can use that make it operationally really easy. The other thing I'm really excited about is by by leading these SPVs, I'm bringing women in who are writing their very first check. Yeah, I was going to say it's an opportunity to enter at a lower price point, investment point. It makes it more accessible. And there's all these women now in my life, my sister, my mother wrote her first angel investing check. Um you know, really good friends of mine. And and it's so exciting for them. Like some of my friends who are sort of thinking about like they've been in corporate for a long time and they're thinking about like what's their next chapter. I mean, angel investing, it's it's so interesting and relevant and and fun, you know, and, and if you can do it in a way that's more accessible. Um, so that's been amazing because I feel like the more women we get investing, the more women will get funded. Micro investing is sort of what I see this as. Sticking a little bit with with uh, startups and entrepreneurship, I, I did an episode on WeWork, the We Crashed series. Did you happen to catch that? No, but well, I, I need to. I'm sure you know the the story, right, of yeah. WeWork and Adam Newman, uh, the founder, and his uh, and his wife as well behind it. But basically, he was he had to step down as as the founder. He raised so much money for for WeWork, and and ultimately was not able to take the company to IPO. And long story short, um, a lot of people characterize what happened there as well. He got in over his head, but he'll be back. And he's already back. He's already raised like another tens of millions of dollars for his next startup. And I, I have to wonder like what woman would have gotten that second chance? Mm-hmm. So to have such a public downfall too. You know, you look at other female CEOs who are at the top of their game and then they came uh, crashing and they're not doing as financially as as well. They didn't bounce back uh, so quickly and so lucratively. Yeah. And I wonder, like, what do you make of things like that? Those, it, it, on the one hand, you know, you bet on the, the person, there's a charisma there. And a lot of times uh, investors say, hey, I, you know, as much as I love the idea, I love the person. And Adam's really, yeah. he's like, he's a, he's a fighter and people yeah. want to invest in the fighter. But- I know. And I, I just, I really think a lot of this, a lot of this goes back to networks and, and, and the effect of networks. And I just feel like, you know, a lot of these male entrepreneurs have access Mm -hmm. um, to male VCs that, you know, are holding a lot of wealth. Um, And, and I I think that honestly is a big part of it. And those male VCs, like they have no problem making another bet on someone like Adam. They don't care. Do you know what I'm saying? Even just like from a PR perspective, from a like they really believe in him and they're they're gonna put more, they're gonna put more money into him again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really big part of it. Whereas I I just feel like a lot of these female, a lot of the female entrepreneurs don't have that same kind of access. They just don't. 
they don't have that support yeah. belief that they will, no one's going to bet on you twice. It's hard enough to get bet on once. Right. Right. Exactly. It's right. It's hard to get bet on once. So forget about getting bet on twice. Right. It's true. It's very true. Well, Fran, it's so great to have you back. Good to see you. My listeners can't see you, but I'm enjoying being able to be face to face with you. It's been a long time and congratulations on Embrace the Work, Love Your Career. We'll put the link in the show notes. Hope you have a great summer. I hope to talk to you before the end of the summer, but- Me too. I love seeing you. Thank you so much for all of your support. It means so much to me. Anytime. Thanks again to Fran for joining us. Her book again is called Embrace the Work, Love Your Career. You can learn more about Fran and her work at franhauser.com. I'll see you back here on Friday for Ask Farnoosh. In the meantime, I hope your day is so money. Money.